It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors defeat the Utah Jazz, or half the Utah Jazz, or I don't know what, a quarter of the Utah Jazz, playing uh, the hardship exemption players. And, uh, you know, many people scrambled to make the forest for the trees pun as Trent Forrest was their starting guard. Uh, We saw Hassan Whiteside in there, Eric Pascal, uh, Elijah Hughes, Daniel House Jr., you know, Azabuke. Pele, you know, like they didn't have Clarkson, Royce O'Neal, Bogdanovich, Conley, Rudy Gay, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, or Donovan Mitchell, perhaps expecting that maybe somebody would go into COVID protocols north of the border, and that would be a huge problem for how they wanted to travel and go about doing things, possibly. But anyway, the Raptors, they faced a you know, supremely undermanned jazz team and played one of the worst halves of basketball they've played all season before Fred Van Vliet played one of the best halves of basketball he's ever played in his life. He almost single-handedly lifted them to victory. It was immense what he did out there on the court. I think he had 24 in the third quarter, 20 of them coming with less than four and a half minutes left in the third quarter, 15 points straight. 18 of 20, and led them back into the lead, being down from by like 20 in this game. It was incredible. Finished with his first triple-double of his career. The Raptors now have won five games in a row, I believe. And they're now, I think they're just still 8-10 and 10 in their last 10. Yeah, five in a row, now 8-10. 8-2 <laughs> and 2 in their last 10. 19-17 and 17 on the season. Uh, creeping ever closer to Cleveland for the sixth seed and I guess also Philly for the fifth seed. I don't know. They're climbing up the standings. Games against uh, teams that are struggling with the COVID stuff obviously helps. But hey, the Raptors got to come in. You play who's in front of you. The Raptors lost games because they lost the man. Cleveland hammered the hell out of them with the COVID stuff. And, you know, as did as did Philly. And so this is a this is a team that's taking advantage of the schedule right now. And nobody took more advantage of it than, you know, Fred Van Vliet tonight. It it got to a point in that third quarter where he realized nobody could guard him. And 15 points straight is no small feat at the NBA level. I said, you know, I tweeted this out. I thought like, man, 
he kind of just performed the plot of every Uncle Drew like commercial hit, right? You know, Kyrie Irving dresses up as Uncle Drew, this old washed up player who's like putting up jumpers, missing, kind of laboring up the court and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, is in fuego, is the best player on the floor by a significant margin, and then just scores everything. And to the point where Fred was doing uncharacteristic things for him. Like, yes, he got a block the last game they played against the Bucks, But this one, like, he had a block during this little stretch that he had, too. He was dishing guys, and he was just pulling up with reckless abandon. And my God, 37, 10, and 10. That is absurd. I cannot. Yeah, the immensity of that performance. And the crazy thing is he still only finished 4 of 12 from downtown. That's how bad he started this game out. He could not hit the broad side of a barn with a three-point shot. Neither could anybody else on the team, to be fair. Like, OG, Pascal, the only guys above 40%. The team, as you know, total, shoots 29%, 12 of 41. At one point, I think, I believe, after the first half ended, 5 of 25. And with that, Hassan Whiteside was standing in the middle of the Utah defense. The Raptors weren't hitting their threes. They're trying to get downhill. They're trying to make things happen. He is a pretty big obstacle, even if he's years removed from his big contract and he's a guy who's been signing minimums or, you know, MLEs and stuff like that, whatever. He, he, was, a, he was a major deterrent in the paint. The Raptors could not get around it. Um, basically, in the first half, let's just do that quickly. What the Raptors did off the start, they put... And it's interesting because Nick Nurse had been commenting about how to get guys more involved recently and how they wanted to make sure that certain guys were getting looks and what that might look like game to game and that there was going to be sacrifices. And in the first half, definitely Pascal Siakam was the guy who sacrificed. He was involved in very few actions. And instead, they went to a lot of OG Ananobi and Scotty Barnes, especially in the middle of the floor. And that was largely because I think of what was happening on the other end of the floor where Hassan Whiteside, they wanted to put him in pick and roll action. At, by the end of the game, that ended up being really useful. At the start of the game, it wasn't. I mean, I think they targeted for like nine pick and rolls in the first quarter, Hassan uh, Whiteside. Quite a few of those featured Scotty Barnes as a screener with OG or Fred as the handler. And he, he got a couple buckets off of that, but he also missed a few shots in that situation. But Pascal, for the most part, in the first half was not really involved in the offense except for spotting up. That's okay. These guys are going to oscillate between what they think works best They're trying to figure something out against what they thought was an inferior opponent. And the first half process offensively was a little bit clunky. Dems the breaks. And I mean, defensively, this undermanned and, you know, cobbled together jazz team was just really the shot making was on a really high level. And that's not to say the Raptors, they they should have been better at suppressing the, the, the drives and suppressing the shot making for sure. And, they, but they weren't in that first half. They were letting guys get, you know, a dribble down, take two steps, survey while in motion, find your teammate for three, maybe maybe hit a push shot or something like that, right? Eric Pascal had 17 points in the first quarter, and it wasn't like he was feasting at the rim. He was making pull-up jumpers. He was making push shots in the lane. And even when we look at Butler and uh, Forrest, like these two guys were putting Fred, Gary Trent Jr. in jail and, you know, when you put somebody in jail, typically that's when you put them on your back and you uh, negotiate your dribble. You use your dribble 
sometimes with a little bit of side to side motion while still going downhill to make sure that they stay behind you. That's what putting somebody in jail is. And they were doing that, which is like typically something that is in the bag of the best lead guards. And, you know, every guard has it in their bag. It just whether or not they can actually keep a defender in jail. And that spoke to how maybe lackadaisical Fred and uh, Gary Trent Jr. were at the point of attack to start this game. Like even Pascal, because Pascal more so than Scotty steps out onto guards and they're they're a lot more comfortable with cross matches and stuff. Pascal was also similarly kind of out of it with rotations. I mean, everybody was. Then the Jazz were getting downhill, generating a rotation from the the help side, the low man, finding guys in the corner, finding guys for lobs, all that kind of stuff. And the Raptors got bludgeoned in the first half, man. Like they were losing 40-25 after the first quarter. Then, you know, <laughs> And it felt like, man, this team could be stuck at this deficit forever. And then enter Fred Van Vliet. Because during in the early parts of the, well, during the second quarter and the third quarter, the Jazz, over, you know, roughly 15 minutes of basketball, were doing a really good job of keeping the Raptors at arm's length. Like the Raptors, I believe, pulled within seven or eight. And then that ballooned right up back up to 17 because they hit some corner threes. They'd they'd get a push shot. They'd get a put back or a dunk and stuff like that. They'd they'd keep working offensively. And it seems like the Raptors had no recourse to stop them. And and truthfully, the Raptors didn't get much better at the point of attack defense during this game. Truthfully, they they did not. It's just the Jazz started missing some of the tougher shots. You know, they they were hitting tough shots all game. And they started missing a couple more of the open ones. And the Raptors, towards the end of the game, when the defense did lock down, they, they did end up holding them to 106, I believe. Uh, the dig downs and the aggressive, tra- oh, sorry, 108. The aggressive trapping that they played, especially on like Whiteside or Pascal in the post or something like that. You know, you got Pascal, two steals. Fred, two steals. OG, three steals. Boucher, two steals. These guys really being aggressive down low able to cause some, able to be disruptive in that way. And then coming out on the other end of it, the, the last four minutes of the third quarter, of course, man, Fred just went ballistic. Pull-ups from downtown, um, pick and rolls to get to about between, you know, 15 to 19 feet for those mid-range pull-ups that were absolutely essential to keep the, the Raptors offense afloat. And like with that too, making a couple clever passes, uh, getting out in transition, like, getting the ball because he finished with 10 rebounds in this one, right? Like that was a team high for the Raptors. Fred grabbing, you know, after guys like Hassan Whiteside and Boucher and Siakam all battle for the ball and it pops out, Fred is on it. He's sprinting up the court. He's putting pressure on the team that way. He's getting to the rim a little bit and he just dominated as far as from scoring the end of that third quarter. Then to start the fourth quarter, I know Pascal only finished with 17 points, six of 16 shooting. It was a really tough matchup for him, especially since when the Jazz were playing zone, they were going to, and until the fourth quarter, when they did start using Pascal as the zone buster to run around in the middle and then create from there, which I think he did a pretty good job of, he was just spacing out. And there wasn't really angles for him to cut in. So, you know, it was, OG was doing a really good job of, yeah, OG had an awesome game, so big shout out to him. Scotty Barnes was a little bit vexed by the size, but he eventually started making great passing reads as well. But at the start of the fourth quarter, Pascal was the zone buster in the middle, and he started initiating more offense when Fred was getting his rest, and a well-deserved one at that. But Pascal, the playmaking, 
the the shot making, even if it wasn't at a super high efficiency, was at a high enough volume that it kept the Raptors afloat, especially coupled with the playmaking. And the Raptors were just able to stay afloat. And even with a little bit of shooting from Gary Trent Jr. and OG, extend the lead. Now, the guy who isn't mentioned in all this, Chris Boucher, another great game for him. It's been, you know, it's been a month of good basketball. I've, I've said this a couple times, but Chris Boucher, a month of good basketball. It didn't hit any threes tonight, isn't relying on it. He's getting up there, four offensive rebounds in this game, extending offensive possessions, putting pressure on the Jazz to close out their defensive possessions so they can't get un- run out anymore because they have to gang rebound to try and deal with Boucher, especially with Whiteside off the floor. And Boucher really put it to them. Not to mention, like, defensively, he had quite a few really sterling rotations and, you know, pressuring ball handlers or guys who are trapped and have picked up their dribble, even dropping low to deny passes that are trying to get deep. All that kind of stuff, top tier from Boucher tonight. It was He was the perfect big off the bench in this game. Gave you 13 points, five rebounds, two steals. Had just the worst read in transition I may have ever seen. Like a little bounce pass to his left and Pascal would have had a dunk. And he passed it out to the corner where there was a guy trailing Gary Trent Jr. And, you know, Gary Trent Jr. eventually attacked the closeout and popped the ball up. And Pascal went up and had a, a little hook shot. He was like, okay, let's, guys, we're near the basket. Let's put it in. That was nice to see. But outside of that, Boucher was almost like a flawless game given what he's expected to do and given the way that this game looked as a bench big. He he was by far the best in this one, better than Precious, better than Birch, although Precious as well deserves quite a bit of love. I think he had a really good game, even though some of some of his decision-making was just crazy. It, like, man, it, it can be really vexing at times. But the Raptors, they stayed afloat with that big lineup, right? where Fred's not on the court, so they're going huge. They're going to see what it looks like. And, you know, whether it's Scotty or Pascal finding passes to one of the bigs like Precious or Boucher so that they can finish down low or whatever it looks like, or Gary Trent Jr. getting one of his threes to go down, even though he was only two of eight tonight. They made it work, and they competed like hell on defense. And there's a bunch of memes that that are now, it's a picture of Chris Boucher because he was dying on the bench. He, it looked like he gave it his all. And so he was he was on the bench and he just looked absolutely exhausted. So that's kind of funny. And yeah, the Raptors were able to hold out when Fred got back in the game. The Raptors, I think, had a seven or eight point lead. That obviously ended up being 14 at the end of it all. Fred realized that Whiteside no longer wanted to try at the end of the game. So he was like, well, I want my triple-double, my first one. So Whiteside, get up here. We're going to put you in a pick-and-roll action. And Whiteside kind of labored up there and... Precious set the screen and then Precious rolled and Whiteside was like, uh, I'm going to play a high drop because I am in high drop right now and I don't want to move. And then Fred, two feet on the ground, two hands on the ball, threw a lob. Like it, it wasn't a dynamic play or anything. It's just Hassan Whiteside was dead in the water. And then Precious goes up, dunks it down, gets a nice high five from Fred. Fred's really happy, gets a triple double. And the Raptors, 122 to 108. They come together and they win this one. My goodness, super fun game for the second half. That's a very special moment in Raptors history because how many players really are as important to the Raptors franchise as Fred Van Vliet? And this was one of his biggest on-court moments. You know, 
he has many, of course, but this this is one of the probably actually probably the most dominant stretch that he's ever had. And so it was really fun to see. He deserves a lot of love for it. 37, 10, and 10. He gets the Reggie Evans Award too, because who who else could it be, really, right? Leads the team in assists, leads the team in points, and as a five foot ten guy, leads the team in rebounds and brings them back from the the clutches or steals victory from the clutches of defeat is how it would go, right? So, yeah. Hell yeah. Good for you, Fred. You did your thing. Reggie Evans Award. Okay. Top quick reaction uh, comment. You guys, you write them long. And you know what? I'm glad that people like them. It's a lot of reading for me, but what is better than writing a lot of stuff and having people upvote it, right? Because it's like, this is what I think. And then people are like, hell yeah, what you think is cool. So lukewarm water, I'm glad people think what you think is cool, especially when you take the time to write out your thoughts. Quote, a Jordan-esque third quarter from Rockford, Canada's finest. Quite literally put on one of the greatest quarters I've ever seen, and I do go back to the 1950s. Totally concur with Matt as Steady Freddy has to be in the All-Star Game and in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So good to see him get his first triple-double. The old cliche indeed of a picture is worth a thousand words as poor Chris Boucher was beyond gassed as he fell to the bench. What an effort from Monsieur Boucher. Five straight wins, wraps on a row, baby. Look out, NBA. End quote. Hell yeah, dude. I understand why that got upvotes. That's a nice little paragraph there. That's some nice writing. I'm Hey, and you know, congrats going back to the 1950s. You've seen a lot of basketball. That's, uh, that's awesome. And yeah, it, it is like I'm doing that consensus series of the weekly podcast. And basically what <laughs> my sneaky, sneaky idea for that is that I'm going to get all these American writers to come on the podcast. You know, there'll be about six or seven of them over the course of two weeks. And I think every single one of them is probably going to say that Fred Van Vliet has to be in the all-star game. And so, you know, I'm just trying to spread the good word of like, oh, look, this guy thinks so as well. They cover the league. You know, they have a big scope. They, they are saying that Fred is an all-star. I just did the one with Jackson Frank that came out today. And he was like, yes, he's absolutely an all-star. Not only that, but he's all NBA. And I, that I agree with that too. Fred has just been fantastic. But lukewarm water. Uh, hell yeah, dude. Really love what you wrote there. Agree, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up Boucher because he deserves a lot of love. I actually have a piece on him out in a, a few days, I believe Monday or Tuesday, I can't remember. But, you know, detailing how good this past month of basketball has been for him, I'm glad you I'm glad you noticed what he was able to do tonight. He was super, super important to what the Raptors did. And, of course, Fred carried an unbelievable amount for the Raptors tonight. But there were, there were some bit roles in there that were very, very important in, in their bit, in their role. So, lukewarm water, thanks for writing in. Listener, thanks for listening in. Uh, but whether you got into it, in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.